When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode The Last One! It's a wrap-up episode! The book, Star Wars X-Wing Race Squadron by Aaron Alston. The year was 1998. Hot was the sun. Anyway, uh, no chapters, it's just a wrap-up in your QA. Thanks for listening, and let's go! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Expanded U- Wait, nope, Expounded Universe. Wait. After all these years, I'm still getting the show name perfect. <laughs> still flawless. Uh-huh. I'm Jeff, and that's John, and on this show, we discuss Expanded Universe Star Wars novels. That's what we do. And sometimes other novels. Sometimes other novels, but only when you let me do it. <laughs> one of these days, I'll pick one. <laughs> we'll read some of that, like, Dune prequel stuff and just Ugh. leave you in the dirt. How dare you? <laughs> Don't make me read Dune words. I'll have you saying Dune words for an entire season. Uh, I don't want to know what Dune things are. <laughs> we'll read one of the ones set during the Butlerian Jihad. You'll gonna, have to know what it is. You're going to make me find out what a Gamjabar is or some shit? <laughs> well, I think it's a, a dagger that has poison on it. I could I, never I know. I can never remember if the Gamjabar is the poisoning needle inside of the box or if it's just the box. I... Have no idea, and I don't want to know. Okay, that's fair. I do not want to. Maybe it's not either. It's not like I'm a Dune expert or anything. I I think it's the little needle inside the box, because there's that part where the guy has to put his hand in the box, and all it does is hurt. Like, you put your hand in this box, and it hurts, and you can't take your hand out of the box. Yeah. And if you try to move your hand, it instantly jabs you with what I think is the gom jabar, because it's got a jabber right there in its name. (laughs) The gom jabber. Yeah. I'm going to jab you right in the gom. Ow, my gom. (laughs) This fucker jabbed me in the gob. <laughs> yeah, the Dune words aren't as complicated as you think they are. <laughs> yeah, no, the Quisats had a ranch. <laughs> yeah, that was originally just Quisucks had ranch. Guy was a huge fan of Star Wars novels. Quisucks, he's got ranch. <laughs> she. Anyway, uh, how you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> Good. You know. All things considered. Ah, well, we just finished reading a novel. We did. Mm-hmm. We just had, we just finished up our little book club that we share with the world. Hell yeah. We read Wraith Squadron. Sure did. Wraith Squ- Star Wars X-Wing Wraith Squadron. Uh, a the, the first in a series of novels, which I believe has some post-series follow-ups as well that we'll, we won't necessarily... I mean, we're... I'm going to say, we're not going to come back to this. No, I don't think so. But there are bo- there's stuff about them that I think... Maybe it's, I don't really know the exact details about the rest of Wraith Squadron, but I think they may pick up much, much later. Uh huh. Like maybe there's a couple books here that finish out this storyline of hunting down Zinge or whatever, but I think that it does pick up much later because there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can look up online about what happens to some of the characters from this. Yeah. Where it's clear that they died in the interim margins between books and they had to go, go back in and do like sub stories to, to wrap up what happened to them. The, the big one being Runt. Uh huh. Runt is, 
I think dead by I, I forget when exactly either the Yuzan Vong crisis or the dark fleet or the darkness stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, and they just have him dead and the rest of all come back to help. And then you find out later that he got like mentally taken over by some court, sort of evil parasitic thing. And before he switched to an evil brain and started killing everybody, he asked Piggy to mercy kill him. Fucked up. Fucked up if true. Uh, I don't remember the exact details, but it's definitely the thing that happened to Runt. And that Piggy is now haunted by the... He's like, he's quit flying because he's haunted by the memory of having to kill his good friend Runt. Wow. Yeah. Don't don't fuck our good boys up like that. Yeah, those are the only good boys. Those are our good boys. There's a lot of bad boys on this squad, but only one good boy. <laughs> I like bad boys. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Now I'm stuck thinking about Sage's. She watch like sometimes when I leave her alone with YouTube, she'll end up watching this like animal YouTube show. Oh and yeah. If all, as far as I can tell, all they do is just steal other people's footage and then overlay it with like sappy talking. Oh yeah, it's it's the we found people's like TikToks or YouTube yeah. videos of like, oh look at my pet, she's so cute, and she'll run around and do a thing, and then they were like, but what if? I were talking over that. Yeah, what if we muted you and had, we called it the story of a bad boy. Oh, don't bite that. That's a bad boy. This is Jimmy. He's such a good boy. He'll bring me the newspaper. No, Jimmy, don't buy that. That's a bad boy. And you're like, Ugh, okay, well, I, I guess there is a market indeed for, like, taking someone else's home video footage, recording South Park level voices over it. And then just putting it on YouTube and saying it's yours. Yeah. And when it's not those, it's it's usually just like, this dog has two legs. Look at this sad dog. Uh, two legs this dog has, but he's got positive hopes. Little brother. <laughs> what am I doing with my life? I'm thinking of opening a mixed-use cafe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. And Tenderfoot, too. <laughs> <sighs> so uh so yeah we're I'm, I'm i'm doing well as well i'm actually kind of sick but i am doing well otherwise i'm 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 staying a respectful distance from you when i have taken a, a, a covid test that shows i have no covid indeed mm-hmm. but but i'm a little sniffy and a little runny of nose and sore throaty so so if i get grouchy in this episode that's not me that's dayquil just so you know <laughs> i'm blaming the dayquil that's fine mm-hmm but otherwise, yeah, you know, this book was something. I guess it'll be okay to have a quick discussion about what we thought. Yeah, I guess it would be okay if we did the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'll allow it. It'd be just, fine just if we did once. that. You don't, don't call me out. It's the, it's the Dayquil. It's the Dayquil. If I fuck up ever, it's the Dayquil. I took that Dayquil three minutes ago, so it's really kicking in. <laughs> oh, it's hardcore now. Yeah, yeah. Now it's over. Now you fucked up. You, <laughs> you shouldn't have, have stayed here. You have fucked up now. <laughs> Uh, Dayquil unlocks my latent Namekian abilities. <laughs> uh, That's right. I'm not. I'm not so brash as to claim Saiyan abilities. Just Namekian ones. Yeah. Yeah. I can shoot super special beams. <laughs> special beams. <laughs> so, uh, uh, what were you hoping for from this book? From when you picked it up in the first place? You know, it's interesting. Really, no, no, it really isn't. I mean, this book. Honestly, isn't good, but it is interesting. That's fair. Is the thing, because it has so much weird ideas in it, and the base concept when it started of like, I want to get a ragtag group of washouts and ne'er-do-wells, and I want to make a cool badass squad, and I'm like, okay, this is every heist film, this is a lot of action films where you're like, 
we're going to do a predator and we'll get everyone in their one unique thing that they have. Well, it's yeah, and it's wild to me because uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. That that is a great way to start it. But usually those I need to assemble a crew of people who are on their last chance type situations, they don't start from a position of I'm I can have whatever I would like and what I choose to have is the scraps and ne'er-do-wells of society. Usually that's like, oh god, we're trapped and all I have is this prison bus full of crazy prisoners. Yeah, because either you have a situation where it's basically, we have to make do with what we've got. Mm -hmm. Like so many country girls. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or. Or like so many country boys, I know. <laughs> uh, or you have that situation where it's like, you know, your suicide squad where it's, oh, the reason we're doing the dregs is because we want them to be expendable. Or yeah, or just because I have control over them. Like in Waller's case, she can't order around a group of superheroes. But she can take Bell Rev Prison's population out for drives. Exactly. And neither one of those is accurate here. Like, the idea that he has of, like, oh, I want to have a squad that's basically commandos that are also decent pilots. And yes. I'm like, okay, I get where you're coming from, Wedge. Yeah. I understand that. It's a good idea. I support that idea. And then instead of going, and I want this to work, so I'm going to get the best commandos with pilot experience that I can. Mm -hmm. He's like, find me the shittiest assholes that we've got that are like two hours away from getting washed out. I want them. <laughs> and there is never a point where you're like, okay, but why? And he explains satisfactorily. There's never a point where he's like, look, I don't know. I had a bunch of Dayquil last night and watched <laughs> like, the Dayquil. I watched like six lethal weapon movies. And now I just want a whole squad of, re of rigs. <laughs> look, man, I, I just binged the whole Expendables series, and I just want those guys. Except those guys are all celebrated veterans with tons of experience and positive traits. And here he's just like, I want to assemble that scrappy Suicide Squad thing. You're like, why? If You, you already have a stated intent. Commandos that also fly their own X-Wings. Great. Uh, ne ne next sentence should be, and I want the best of the best of the best of the best, sir. You know, because you're like already in a position where you can write your own ticket. It really reads like Wedge realized he'd already run the storyline of like imp or a uh, rebel X-wing force commander twice and was like I'm going to do it on hard mode. Oh yeah. No, this is <laughs> this is definitely the thing where it was like oh I uh I've done it with all the best characters mm -hmm. and that's easy. So now I'm going to use the ones that are like suboptimal so that it's more of a challenge. <laughs> I can see Akbar being like, "Wedge, why are you taking your pants off? I'm going to see if I can run molten core without them, sir." <laughs> Everything else has lost its luster. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm making a party for this campaign. And instead of having like a paladin and a cleric, I'm going to take like a monk and a bard <laughs> and we're just going to suck ass the whole time. Nothing but nobles and hedge wizards. <laughs> nobles and hedge wizards, nobles and hedge wizards and be there. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it really does have that vibe. Like he's just I just want to make this harder on myself because I've gotten too good at this. Which is a weird thing to do when your job in life is to strap yourself to a machine that could easily get exploded by anything that looks at it and go fly around trying to explode those self-same machines. Oh, yeah. When your whole job is, oh, I go out into the unforgiving void of space and then try to murder people that are trying to murder me. You're like, maybe, maybe give yourself every advantage you can. Yeah, but not this guy. This guy's like, I want to reform a bunch of last chance shitheads. <laughs> it's also Jesmyn Akbar. <laughs> Yes, it's very strange, and it would be one thing, again, if that was, like, part of the character where he goes, look, when I was coming up through the ranks, 
I almost got washed out because I was, you know, a fuck up to start with. And I want to give them the same chance that I got when my commanding officer did whatever. Except that we would don't be a know. Thing. Yeah, that would be a great thing if that happened to Wedge. Instead, he was near the top of his class at the Karita a- a TIE Fighter Oh, yeah, Academy. he's like, oh, I was a super badass Imperial pilot, and then I was just transferred over to be a super badass Rebel pilot. Yeah, he, he transferred over with that class that had, like, Biggs Darklighter and, and Han Solo and stuff in it. Yeah. Although Solo quit and went off to do other things first. No, it was, uh, what, Clivian? Yeah, uh, yeah, Ho- Hobie Cliven. Cliven. Yeah. But, uh, and, and all taught by Baron Soontir Fell. Indeed. So just like the the cream of the crop of TIE fighter pilots in. So he never had that moment where he was like, oh, I'm the, I'm a rag. I'm a Horatio Alger story. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I had I was all fucked up because of reasons. And then it took someone coming up to me and hugging me and telling me it wasn't my fault. And then I cried and now I'm good now. Like, no, he doesn't have that. He was always great. And him going, yeah, now I want random assholes that suck for some reason. Feels weird for the character. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just because they're never going to marry this guy off and he needs some way to have some kids, you know? How will he reach these kids? How will I reach these kids? <laughs> oh, I know. I'll ignore them and let them psychologize each other for an entire book. Oh, I know. They can torture each other. That's fine. That'll work. That's much like when real parents have more than one kid. Uh, I mean, and- not you. You were a little darling baby that everyone in your family loved. I was a sweet baby boy, and yeah. everything was great. Yeah, you were Mama Foley's baby boy, <laughs> if I remember correctly. If, I, if I've got this right. I, let me check my notes again real quick here. It does say that you are Mama Foley's baby boy. <laughs> it also says here that this is my life. Rock! <laughs> uh, Do they wrestle at the end of that? I don't know, man. <laughs> it's just a really good bit. Just and a then, good bit. It's amazing just a great did. bit, and After, then they end. They do the whole "This is your life, rock" bit, and then they just go, "Thanks, man." Yeah, you're well. You're welcome. And they just walk off. And then he fucks off. <laughs> so they get in cars that each look like, that look like each of their respective giant heads, <laughs> and drive off in opposite directions. God, how much would I love that? A car that looked like the Rock's head. <laughs> just having, put in one of the Fast and the Furious movies. Like, give me a big old mankind head. <laughs> Car. Yeah, like that Meet Dave picture where the, the giant Eddie Murphy head is being driven along the freeway. Yeah. But it's Mick Foley's head with the leather strap on it. Exactly. Yeah. And it, and also it has the wheels and it's like the Wienermobile. It's <laughs> and the, also. It's the Foley-mobile. <laughs> and it makes a lot of sound effects while it goes by because it's yeah. the Foley-mobile. And you can throw it 20 feet off the top of a steel cage, but its suspension's good enough that it'll land and not die, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll be fucked up. <laughs> but it'll keep oh, going. Yeah. <laughs> You can drive right over a bunch of nails. It'll pop all the tires, but, you know, you can do it. <laughs> you can keep driving. It'll still go. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, yes, the base concept, very good. And then it really took this wild fucking D&D level horseshit turn where you were like, we're commandos and we're going to be super badass on the ground. And then we'll be able to, when we escape fight off any like pilots that are there and make our escape and do whatever. And that's the concept. Anyway, we're not going to do that. So we took over some guy's ship and yeah. like, what? Why? And it all happened. There's that one fucking chapter where they all, when the Empion mine goes off and strands them all in that, that random setting where all they have is that one cold moon to land on and everyone's lost their power. Yeah. It's all very scary. And they have to make a little X-Wing out of X-Wing parts and use it to load Piggy as like a gun and shoot yeah. him into the enemy ship. and have making him a little the- Piggy missile and shooting yeah. it at a ship. And having him accidentally kill the captain of that ship. And all that shit is like, wow, okay, this is showing how they work on the fly. I guess this is kind of a neat idea. I can't wait for them to get back to their training. Oh, no, they're just going to keep that ship and now they're operating as 
X-Wing pirates or something? What what are we doing here? It's a wild turn, because you do have the first mission where they're like, we're going to go to the window factory and blow it up. And you're like, yeah, that's what I expected this would be. Yeah. A, A weird commando, like, demolition heist thing where you have to infiltrate and do a bunch of shit and make a cool escape. All right, that's what I assumed this would be. And then it hard left turned into, we stole someone's ship and now we pretend to be the person on the ship and we're just going to fly around with that. It's almost like he, he wrote that face character in, in the open. Like, it's almost like he didn't have a full start, middle, and end point for this book and was just like, I'm just going to start writing and see where my pen takes me. And, and I, I don't write the characters. The characters <laughs> write themselves. It's the art of Zen authorship. <laughs> and... Like, because he has that face character whose whole jo- role is that, like, oh, I'm a really good actor, so I can pretend to be Imperials. Plus, I am ex-Imperials, so I know a lot of Imperials. And he was like, well, I gotta find a way to use this guy. Oh, I have an idea. Ah. Mm. I'll tell you the other thing about this book that felt a little weird to me was that they kept just grabbing whoever and making them part of the squadron in some way. And, and it felt like, like, why? Like, you're not a Katamari ball. Like, that part where they, like, go to Folor base and they get, like, oh, this is where we're going to be assigned. And you pick lockers and you're going to be filing with the A-Wing pilots and you can't use all the X-Wings because we don't have them yet. Also, there's a droid here who owns a restaurant or bar that's on this base. And we're going to make him our quartermaster. He's ours what? now. What? what are you talking about? Are, are you low on quartermasters in the Republic? Again, not the Rebellion. The Republic. You won already. You have the government. Yeah. You, you have are, the military. You are the establishment now. You would think you'd be able to get a guy. Yeah, you're not to be like, we're going to take whatever droid is here as our as our quartermaster. And and can we have that that mechanic over there? Uh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. You uh, cover you <laughs> with them. I wasn't using them. <laughs> cover you belong to them now. Hey, okay, chief. Sure thing. <laughs> I don't have any say in this. <laughs> a teamster goes anywhere except crosses a picket line. It's wild that they just kept doing that, and then they're like, oh, we need a crew for this thing we stole, and now the crew is ours, too. Yeah, well, they have Taban, like, I know a little bit about uh, TIE fighter piloting. Great, you're one of the squadron now. <laughs> Get off that bridge. But, I, but I'm part of... No, you're no. not. Like, But we made a big point earlier about how, how uh, fighter pilots and fleet officers are vastly different, and it's really hard to transfer from one to the other. Yeah. Well, it's hard to transfer up. It's real easy to pull down. And we're just going to grab you and bring you in. Yank you down here and put you in the flimsiest flimsiest spaceship that Star Wars has. (laughs) I know you had a nice, fun job on the bridge of a cool starship Mm -hmm. where you were basically just like second in command, hanging out, waiting to see if something happened. But what if I put you in the most danger you've ever been in? (laughs) (laughs) I kept thinking they were going to kill her. The fact that they didn't astonished me. I mean, they when, killed all the other bridge crew. <laughs> when they killed Jasmine, I was like, oh, the reason they didn't kill her is because she's replacing them. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I mean, I got that. But towards the end when they were like, oh, we're spending a lot of time with Atril Taban now. And she is barely a character. Oh, I, I feel like they're giving her a little bit of characterization before they murder her off. Like, same thing they did with Grinder, where I was like, oh, you can definitely tell Grinder's about to die because they're giving him this stupid prank arc. <laughs> oh, the prank arc. Uh, I... I do wish that we had gotten better resolutions for a lot of things, is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Like, the the entire PTSD storyline for two different characters, yeah, with uh, them just being like, 
oh, how do you, how do you beat having horrible mental problems? Well, in one of them, you need to be tortured by your friends. And in the other one, you need to remember that you have the love of a good woman and then you'll be fine. <laughs> also, as soon as you remember you have the love of a good woman, that woman is not allowed to have a speaking no, she's, role. She's done now. The only line she would have been allowed to have is if she had popped up on the cons and told him that he was a terrible husband. But he's a good X-Wing pilot. And right no, now they need no, you. that's different. That would be if he was a detective. Now he has the love of a good woman, and that's what keeps him going. So all she would be able to do is pop up and go, Ooh, Kel, you're so muscly. I guess that's fair. Maybe if he was retiring instead of just getting scared on one of his early missions. Ah. He was like, I don't think I, I don't want to fly this mission because I'm, I've, I'm, I'm two days from retirement. And then she pops up and she's like, then it'll be like, this is your ex-wife and I'm going to tell you. Yeah, you're, you were a shitty husband, but you're a damn good X-Wing pilot. You got to go back out there. <laughs> I hope you die. I mean, I, I mean, I hope you, you kill some Empire guys. Ugh. Yeah. So I, do you have favorite characters or anything? I, I do love, as we had mentioned in here, the... The weird level of, like, respect among the villains that we have. Yeah, there's a little bit of a connection or, or friendship between uh, Trigget and Zinge that very briefly is nice to see. It's weird to see. Well, it's especially in Star Wars because yeah. usually, especially Empire villains are like, oh, I'm ready to murder anyone the second I'm remotely displeased with yeah. anything in the chain of command. And to have people be like, Hey, I know you fucked up. That sucks, man. Uh, try not to do it again. I'll see what we can do. And it's like, cool, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that no one's like, you have failed me for the last time, Trigget. Yeah, I think part of that, the reason we're so excited to see that is because you're right, it's super rare. And partially also because we have never read any novel with Thrawn in it yet. Because he, while he will occasionally kill incompetence for being incompetent, more often than not, he'll just be like, yeah, they failed because uh, they were outgunned or outplayed or something like that. That's not their fault. That's someone else's benefit. Yeah. And I'll just reassign them to a, to a, something where I think their level of competence will correctly apply. Exactly. So th he's another guy who's out there. He's not as nice about it. These two are just... There's a point where, where Triggett and Zinge are talking, and, and Zinge tries some of that. He's like, you lost to them? And he's like, yeah, we were outnumbered and ambushed. That happens sometimes. Anyway, here's my TIE Fighter requisition list. And he's like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. And before anything goes wrong, the fact that they're just like, hey, good job. You can go out there and you can do a thing. All right, I'm going to try and take out some, some of these Republic guys. He's like, good job, man. I hope that works out for you. Yeah. yeah. And no one's just like huge, schemy villains. Yeah, not until the very end when you start getting triggered. And even then, he's more respectful than every other Imperial guy we've ever seen doing this kind of stuff, where he's like watching Gera Pedithel and being like, hmm, yes. A deadly combination of sexuality and brains. Exactly the type I like to bone down upon. I shall propose it at a later date. And you're like, well, he didn't just order her to his quarters or anything. That's a, that's at least a market. He's, he's just being horny in his head. Yeah. That's the, the safest place to be that. <laughs> yeah. The fact that he isn't immediately lecherous upon her is like, yeah. God bless you. As villains go... Thanks for not being the worst. Yeah, the closest you get to him being reprehensible is towards the very end when he's abandoning ship and telling the rest of the ship that they have to stay and fight. Yes. Which is very imperial to be like, oh, I'm a leader, so I'm going to escape. But I need the, the t fucking 35,000 people on this Star Destroyer to die to cover my escape. Yes. Uh, that's that's pretty rough. But there's a part where he's talking to Pedithel and he's like, well, certain people who are high up in my organization are allowed to go with me. Can you fly a TIE Interceptor? Uh, 
and I'm sure she can. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. I don't know who the fuck she is. She can fly a TIE Interceptor. Ah. She just didn't want to go with him anymore. She was like, well, without the Star Destroyer, I have no interest in being a spy on your bridge or whatever the fuck it is I am. Ah. We will never know, by the way. I'm I'll not, never know. I, I'm not looking her up. No. I mean, I guess I could. That could be my bonus content it this could time. could be. Yeah. If you want to find out, you have to go to our bonus content. That's which right. Which is at patreon.com slash systemmastery at the $4 level. Mm, and mm. You, then you would know. Mm-hmm. Then you'd find out. And the only way to do that, once again, is to go to patreon.com slash systemmastery and pledge at the $4 level where you're unlocked. Not only adds free versions of all of our shows, but also bonus episodes for both Star Wars and System Mastery. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It's a good deal. It's the best. All right. And I've been Elan Sleaze Bagano. <laughs> nope. Oh, shit. <laughs> it was the Dayquil. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dayquil. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, Garrett Gar is another character where I'm like, that's when you were talking about, I want some more resolutions. Yes. I feel like Trigget went out in a sad way. Like, I know what they were doing. They were setting him up to go out via Mindonos, so you get that the completion of that little loop. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted him to do more than just show up to a battle and just lose to yet another one of their, their ridiculous setting up way too much before the combat in a role-playing game set pieces starts where they're like, all right. You guys are pretending to be TIE fighters. We overtook. We already took over the planet. We're sending in a freighter full of Y-wings that'll look like it's burning up on impact, and it's pretending to be a pirate freighter, and they'll ignore it, and then it'll turn into Y-wings. And meanwhile, we're going to use a tractor beam to stick ourselves to the moon, and it'll kick up dust clouds, and then we'll fly around inside the dust clouds, and that way they won't be able to shoot us after we take out their communications array. And I'm like, you guys have the overwhelming strength of authority. You know where Star Destroyer will be, and you have the entire New Republic military. Yeah. Just... Do it regular. Just be like, hey, man, everybody wait. I'm going to give a signal. And then you fucking jump into space above this thing and ruin it. Yeah. The thing that always gets me is how long is it going to take for the uh, New Republic here to get some goddamn interdictors? Ah. They, They need those. Like, the Empire has them. Yeah. And that means that at this point, the Republic should have them. Probably. Little cruisers that... Have giant magnet fields on them that stop ships that are in hyperspace nearby from being in hyperspace. Yeah. Or from going into it. So you can just set up an interdictor cruiser picket line, and now that Star Destroyer has to stay here. Yep. But, no. No, we aren't going to do that. All right, well, uh, what else you want to talk about from this book before we get into the Q and A? I mean, as far as my final thoughts on this, mm-hmm. I I do wish this was... This handled certain things better because, again, I like the sort of like ragtag bunch of goofy assholes go and do some stuff. I always like these books just because they introduce like 12 new characters and they, I don't have to read about Leia. Yeah. Yeah. And I I like the whole like, oh, we're going to have some guys. Everybody's got like one quirk and they're all going to go try and do missions. That's fun. That's a fun concept to me. And it kept getting in the way of its own fun mm-hmm. by being like, ah, this guy's one quirk is he has problems and we are going to ruin his life for it. Yeah. And it would just, it feels like this book needed to get out of its own way to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. I think that's a great way of putting what's going on here. Um, this one, I think, did a better job for me than other books I've read that are heavy on Starfighter description sequences. Yes. I don't think I ever read anything about white hot death raining down on something or anything like that. Oh, you sound so sexy. Ooh. <laughs> that hot white death raining down. Ooh. They call it the little death. 
Blast me, daddy. <laughs> Lock S-foils in my position. Hey. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it definitely did a little bit better at some things. I feel like it definitely had a problem. that's why I was excited is because normally the, like, the rogue squadron stuff, I'm like, I don't need to listen to 27 different ways to describe how a guy pilots real good. Yeah. Oh, he does everything perfectly. Remember what the other, was it this book we read where... Did this one have the opening chapter where they're... Yeah, it did. Where they're showing off to each other by doing a lot of formation flying before landing on the planet. Yes. That was annoying. That was an example of the kind of shit I hate dealing with. Where they're like, watch this, says Wedge to like Hobie Clivan or something. And Hobie's like, oh yeah, well, we've also been practicing this. And then they do a bunch of Melmans or something. Now we're all going to land on our butts. And like, are they going to have a dance off too? This is boring, guys. Yeah, the I need to show how good of a pilot someone is is interesting for one or two like sections of a book yeah. to establish that someone is great. But when you're dealing with a book that's like, oh, this is only about how good of pilots all of these characters are, you're like, all right, I guess you got to come up with like 12 different ways in which each one of these is the best pilot ever. Yeah. And it just gets tedious. And so that's why I was like, oh, race squadron, they're, they're going to be commandos. That lets you do way more shit in way very more different and varying environments than just I am in a cockpit. So you have more chances to do interesting stuff. Yeah. And then they just didn't do anything with it. Spent forever talking about some Corellian Corvette they made. So there you have it. Do you want to get into the Q and a might as well. All right. Let's answer some questions. Old fashioned style. Hell yeah. Hmm. Bully. (laughs) Our first missive comes from M. Jupiter. Stop. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Stop. A minor, a very minor spoiler for the other two Wraith books, the POV character switches from Kel to other squad members. Who do you hope to see more from, and who do you dread? I mean, the one, obviously, that I want to see from the point of view from is Runt, because that's going to be the most interesting, because you're like, oh, you have to write from the point of view of a character that is multi-brained and switches between their different brains and is like, I've got different personalities and different perspectives on things and the way things are going, you'd be able to have like one character be all of these different perspectives Mm -hmm. and that would be fun. And of course, you know, you want Piggy because you want that like hyper intelligent Gamorrean. So just from a writing perspective to see from these characters would be interesting. That would be very cool, but they'll never do it, of course, because Runt is just too alien to write a, a, a book about. The, from his point of view. They oh, have, yeah. They have to introduce some blonde guy. No, I mean, if you're writing a book from Runt's point of view, then you're getting into, like, full Faulkner territory yeah. where you're like, this is an experimental book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd like that, too. I would like to see b- more of both of them. I mean, obviously, we, we can see that they have to replace, what, three squadron members? They've got their three down. Obviously, one of those spots is going to Atrail Taban. Yeah. Like, that probably a- replaces uh, Fallon. Because it's your TIE fighter pilot, one for one. Oh, yeah. Wait, he died? Uh, oh, no, sorry. Fallon. Not, I, not I Fainan. Thinking, I was thinking of Fainan. No, thank you. You're right. Yep. yep. Uh, no, so, so yeah, she replaces Fallon. And then you've also got two more spots for where Grinder used to be. So I'm guessing they probably throw a Verpine into the, into the squad because they're the, the uh, other famous hackers of Star Space. Sure. So we probably get a Bugman. And then uh, the, who, who else did we lose? It was... Uh, Jesmine. Jesmine Akbar. Pro- do you think we do another legacy? Do you think like, oh, I'm Crix Maydean's son-in-law? Probably not. I feel like 
oh, if we do that, then everyone's going to immediately point to it and be like, why are you doing this? <laughs> I guess that might be the spot to introduce the newer, weirder alien to try and compete with the old two. Where they're like, uh, I don't know, it's Waru Jr., there he is. I mean, it's either we do that or we go hard the other direction. You're like, oh, finally, I can put more humans on this squad <laughs> and not worry about it. I'm Jim Normal Space. <laughs> I still have a Star Wars-y name, though, Normal Space. Yeah. That's the best thing about Star Wars is everyone is named either Jim Normal Space or like Grill Bar Dumb Flangles. <laughs> yeah. Unless they're a main character and then they can still be named things with just two syllables. You know, they can be named things like Kick Brack. You're like, all right, sure, that's fine. Huh? Like the that new video game that just got announced, the Ubisoft, basically Assassin's Creed and Star Wars. Yeah. The the main the Mercs. character. Yeah, Mercs. Uh, Outlaws. Uh, the main character is named K Vess, which is like. Yeah, that's a pretty straightforward Star Wars name, and I appreciate them giving her 70s hair. Great. Because good point, good time to set, or early 80s hair, I guess. Anyway. And um, I don't want to see from, I guess, Donos' point of view, because I've already done a strapping white male perspective on this book from Kel. I don't need another one. Yeah. It's like, oh, we had one guy who has a horrible issue with mental problems. Let's go to the other guy. I mean, the team was very human overall. There were, what, two aliens, three aliens when he had, I guess there were four. Out of the, out of the 12, there were four. Because you had Jasmine, Grinder, Piggy, and Runt. Yeah. So you had four. Um, so you could replace a few more with humans and still have a couple of aliens on the squad. We did manage to kill 50% of the aliens on the squad. Yes, we did. Not, not a good ratio. Nope. But here's a question I have. Did any of the humans to you ever get described as dark-skinned or anything like that in any way? No. I think we're just dealing with a bunch more white people because, you know, Star Wars famously has three black people in it. Yeah, that's the thing, is I'm like, but if they were, they would have been described and probably compared to or been related to Lando Calrissian. Yeah, I think we, didn't we do that recently where where they, they were weirdly comparing one character in a storyline to Lando a bunch of times and you're like, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> huh, weird. <laughs> I think that might have been a character from this. I don't remember now for sure, but I could have sworn there was a character in this book where they said, like, like, uh, oh, she has uh, Lando Calrissian skin tone and fashion sense as well. But I don't Not remember. That I Maybe remember. that was the previous book. Anyway, uh, I'll move on to the next question. Uh, if one of you were locked in a catatonic state, what kind of trauma situ simulation would the other put you in, whether to bring you out of it or just, you know, just to fuck with you? <laughs> I mean, if, if I was I'm catatonic... If if I'm locked in a catatonic state, what are you doing to me? And I what will am I never doing notice. To you? Oh, very for honest, sure. Because you are ninety. Let's say like a panda panda bear ratio amount of time in a catatonic state. Anyway, huh? I would not notice. I'd be like, oh, he must be going through one of his cycl cyclical depressions periods or something. It would take me weeks to be like, I probably go and knock on his door because he hates it when I do that. Normally, <laughs> I should come and knock on his door. <laughs> <laughs> You'd just die. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd go and ask your whole family, and they'd be like, I don't know, he's in his room. That's where he always I is. I mean, here's the thing. You could, no joke, I have had points where I'm like, oh, I've not come out of my room such that anyone saw for at least a full day, and no one was like, hey, man, are you all right? Because it's fine. Sometimes it just be that way. Yeah, no, it's. I, I'm, I'm not saying this to denigrate by, by any measure. I'm just saying I, it would be tricky for me to find out. I mean, it would be your default state is to sleep in your room with the door locked. <laughs> it would be easy to find out because recording day would come along. Yeah, and you'd true. be like, John, where the fuck are you? Yeah. Yeah. And then I'd, I'd tell people at your house to bother you. And then what do you put me in to get me out of it in order to get me to go record again? There's a good question. There's so much. There's the, that the actual question. 
Uh, well, let's see. I guess that means uh, we assume I have some sort of hyper competent space simulator like they did. Yeah. Mm. You got to you you can put me in any weird VR simulation to knock me out of my catatonia. 50 yard line front row seats at the puppy bowl. <laughs> Man, I'm not going to lie. You did not have me in the first half of that. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck do you think I'm going to get? Oh, okay. Yeah, but I'm, but once I was done, right? Yeah. No, but you got there. <laughs> you found it. You got there. It's fine. There was never any doubt. I wasn't about to mention the Steelers. Yeah. I was like, where is he going with this? I'll allow it, Obviously but you better do- be going somewhere. Obviously, dogs. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Littlest hobo marathon. I don't even need a full complex simulator, just a TV and a VCR. Ah. All right, John, I'm going to make you watch 16 episodes of The Littlest Hobo. And you're like, nice. Hey. Like you, oh, look, his, arm, his hand is twitching. It's turning into a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to get me out of it, because there's no way at the end of a Littlest Hobo episode, I wouldn't immediately launch into a weird, complicated theory of what this means for the lore of Hobo. Uh-huh. <laughs> littlest Hobo episode that's the halftime show with the Puppy Bowl. <laughs> Will that will that get you up out of huh? a coma? That get you? Yeah. Is that enough dogs? Do you need me to just great grab big double handfuls of dogs and throw them at you as well? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> now, of course, for you, if I'm going along with, I would say, the stuff in the book where I have to make you have horrible trauma, ah. I'd probably just put you in a simulator where you're going to shit until you die, <laughs> where blood is just coming out of all of your ass and... <laughs> I mean that did happen. Yeah. And it is a very scary event. It's it's terrible. It's and I'd be it's... like, here, have a traumatic event from your past. That's, You're better now, right? That's fair, yeah. Especially because that's two traumatic events ago. So Yeah. So to me that one feels like a distant memory. <laughs> the the one where I overdosed on, I don't know, acetaminophen or something and, and cut a hole in my stomach and shit blood until I almost died. Yeah. That was that was a scary event, but it was the second to last hospitalization. And that time I just went in because I thought I had a cold. They were like, You're overdosing on Coke. Your entire blood is made out of explosives. What? At least I'm not. Well, give me a bunch of aspirin quick. (laughs) I have the solution. I know how to get it out of me. I've been through that. (laughs) Life experiences. But no, you're right. I mean, honestly, you could just let me sleep. The uh, the, uh, not not because that's not that's not some sort of indication that I crave the Reaper or anything like that. (laughs) So much as so much as. When I'm asleep, I have anxiety dreams that make me want to wake up anyway. You can oh, yeah. just leave me I'll there. Put, I'll put you in a simulator of all of your friends being like, we're going to go have a fun time. And then pointedly looking at you and going, bye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd be like, but I, I, I want to go with them, but I have to finish packing this suitcase. And every time I look around, there's more clothes on the floor. <laughs> yeah. And then you look back at the suitcase and the things you put in there are now back out of the suitcase. Well, how did that happen? How are my friends 600 yards away up a really steep hill? <laughs> every time I try to go up there, the ground turns into oatmeal. <laughs> it's not even good. <laughs> So, so yeah, I mean, you could just leave me alone and I'd wake up anyway. I'd be like, I hate this coma. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> pass on comas. <laughs> I give him a two. Hard pass on coma. <laughs> His hand's twitching. It's turning into a thumbs down. <laughs> uh, he's coming out of it. He's rating this coma a two out of ten. Wouldn't recommend. <laughs> he's registering the domain name goodcomas.com. <laughs> uh, all right. 
So next, I fell in love with the concept of the Wraiths as a teen, thinking they were cool and had attitude and real drama and stakes. But your read-through has revealed just how shot through with shittiness the original text was. In your opinion, is the concept itself workable? And what other than characters would need to be fixed to make it work? Bonus question, is this just a write-up of Aaron Alston's RPG campaign? Well, my understanding is that Alston is actually deeply involved with the Star Wars RPG stuff, or at least he was back in the like the West End Games era, maybe. Oh, yeah. I, a th- just a thousand percent, I'm like, oh, this for sure could have been one of his games. Yeah. So I, it, I'm, I'm not 100% sure of what he was doing for them. Oh, hey, he's got the same birthday as me. Oh, look at that. Also, he died like 10 years ago. So Just like you. Just like me. When I, <laughs> I nearly pooped to death, I, I actually died. I need to let you go. <laughs> I was just looking to see what stuff he had worked on in uh, in games. Um, looks like he worked on... Oh, he was a developer for Mistara, the setting. And okay. yeah, he did do some writing for uh, the Star Wars... For, uh, for D&D, Savage Empire, and yes, he did write some Star Wars stuff for uh, for West End Games. Yeah. That's great. Cool. And again, he's one of those guys that hit... Oh, you even wrote for Car Wars. Uh, he He's one of those guys that died already, so us being mean to him... Well, th- thankfully... Because this guy seems like he might have been all right. Not like the last guy that we found out was dead during the wrap-up episode because he was like a terrifying libertarian yep. who kept running for office. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, but hey, props to December 8th, guys. <laughs> My favorite band, the, the fa- December 8th guys. <laughs> yeah, that's the good Decemberists. Yeah, the December 8ths. <laughs> December 8ths. <laughs> uh, featuring Colin Me on vocals. Uh, anyway, this might very well have been his D&D campaign. It's got that vibe. It really does. Yeah. But you're right. It, I, I mean, I feel bad for ruining someone's childhood enjoyment of one of these books. I don't. Fuck this book. <laughs> If you like anything Star Wars, I am here to ruin it for you. Uh, but uh, but yeah, basically they just need to drop the bullshit psychoanalyzing, uh, the rah-rah, gung-ho, we're young and that means we should die in the military stuff that, that is deeply permeating the middle of this book. Yeah, the the whole entire thing that revolves around people's issues with their mental health and it being... Oh, well, the solution is to remind you how awesome it would be to die for your country. Yeah. And it's like, man, that's very weird and fucked up to be like, you need to remember that if you don't go out there and get in an X-Wing, you've let everyone who's already died down. We've got a sunk cost fallacy of death. Yeah. And you need to murder people. Yeah. Like the the whole thing, the whole middle of this book being dedicated to Mindonos is in no condition to fly. And instead of being like, how do we help him? It's how do we fix him so he is? Yeah, and it's even less than how do we fix him for a so he is when people realize that he's fucked up before he goes just like full catatonic. They're like, how do we make it so that we can at least put a Band-Aid on it so he keeps flying? Yeah, how do we cobble this guy's shit together in a, an X-Wing pilot kind of way as opposed to, you know, helping how, him as another person? Yeah, how do we make sure this guy is okay? Inst- <laughs> instead, they're just like, how do we make sure this guy gets to keep doing space murders? Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's not cool. Also, I would say I'm not a big fan of Kel's I love you being the only pickup line he knows, and he tries it twice, and it just works the second time. That feels like some childish bullshit writing. Um, I uh, might I might replace that. I might go ahead and have the part where she goes, no, you don't, and quit telling me that. Be the end of it. That would have been nice. That honestly may have been the highlight of this book, 
if it had ended there, because yeah. if it had been like, I'm in love with you. And she's like, no, you're not. You just, I'm the sexiest pilot here. And you think you love me because that would be convenient for you. Mm-hmm. And him going, oh shit, you're right. And growing from that would be phenomenal and if they went like oh now we have a good working relationship and we are friends yeah and i have realized i don't need to have a romantic relationship with you in order to be around you yeah would be phenomenal and no no we can't do that when so he has to just try it again later once he's racked up enough friendship points yeah and like, now look i got all these kindness coins i've put in you yeah. so so and also i gotta say your human is showing because she's not the sexiest person on the squad i i, I assume that means you've never seen jesmine broadcast eggs <laughs> I would never. That's an invasion of her privacy. No, it's not. It's done publicly. <laughs> aren't you? Aren't you on Jasmine's OnlyFans? <laughs> no, they're broadcast spawner. She's just doing it right out in the middle of everybody. Just gets out of the water at the same time as everyone else and just lets it loose. And pretend I knew how to do that R rolling noise because I don't. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that on PBS public broadcast spawning. <laughs> and boy, she was good at it. <laughs> She covered a wide area with eggs. <laughs> Those eggs got all over the place. <laughs> they drifted. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, also Grinder had it going on. <laughs> you don't know. Some people might be into short, digitigrade horse dogs. Obviously, I've been on the internet. Yeah. I know people are into that. Yeah, short kings that are horse dogs. Yeah, I mean that's. I think there's I, a website called that. I was about to say I could go. Right now, Google Short King Horse Dog and get so many porn images. You don't even know how many porn images <laughs> Hang on, I, I got to redo my, my OkCupid profile. Hold on. <laughs> hey, everybody. Short King Horse Dog here. <laughs> also, my next Star Wars character, Short King Horse Dog. <laughs> it's not good as my OkCupid profile because, number one, I don't care for horses at all. And number two, I'm 6'1, so it's going to be misleading advertising. I don't. I... <laughs> you need to know, among horse dogs, I am a short king. <laughs> Which even if people know about uh, the Bothans, they know that's not true. They usually don't hit six feet. They're short as yes. a species. But yeah, I got <laughs> short king horse dog. <laughs> not my OK Cupid profile name, but someone's. Uh, someone's got that going on on Fet Life. Uh, okay, are we good? Did we did we completely drift off the question entirely? No, we we were basically fine. I mean, as far as fixing it, the stuff that we had mentioned before, focus a little bit more on you know commando stuff rather than their. Weird bullshit D and D campaign nonsense. Mm-hmm. Give a give a little more time to all of the people rather than just having Kel be like, ah, I sure do have man pain, and yeah. that being it, it was rough. I don't need this to be a Nolan campaign. Yeah. All right. So next question: Was this book better or worse off for not having the usual Luke Han and Leia bullshit? Let's put put a quick note in that that this book did have both Leia and Han in it. Yeah, for like a page. For like a page each. We get enough Leia to establish that she's a down-home country girl who has no... Pa- she yeah. makes do. <laughs> <laughs> but she has no patience for for, uh, for formal events, even though she's like, that's her job. Yeah, even and, though she was raised as a princess. <laughs> and she's a senator and an ambassador and, and one of the primary ambassadors for the New Republic, and she's very good at that stuff. She hates it. She's always rolling her eyes about it because she'd rather be doing anything else. Yeah, all the Iranians make do. Yeah, like sitting in her office while Robot raises her kids, or an identical clone of her, but with white hair. Yeah. Oh, man, I wish I wasn't out here being some kind of diplomat. I'd rather, I don't know, be angry about how weird aliens are. I'd rather be in my apartment, the Emperor's old apartment, the one they give to diplomats. You know that one. 
<laughs> the apartment specifically designed to house Leia. <laughs> Leia's apartment. It's all coming together now. Uh, and Han is, I, I feel like he's here from contractual mandates. Oh, Because he yeah. does nothing. He shows up and talks to Wedge because they're old buddies, and then he leaves. Yeah. He's just there to be like, oh, uh, what if someone tried to impersonate the Falcon and we'll have the Falcon show up so they get the idea? Yeah. All right. So, but I mean, ultimately, we've read a few other books that didn't have the main characters in them by this point. They're always a hoot because you get to do a lot more learning about people and you don't see people's ham-fisted attempts to write them. Yes. Like, I, I like it because it allows for a little more flexibility on what is allowed to happen to characters if you aren't using one of the characters that you can't have, like, bad things happen to. Yeah, and also, people, I'm, I'll go ahead and say it, in all the books we've read so far, it's rare that anyone's good at writing any of them. Uh, they never know what to do with with Jedi Master Luke. They always write him as kind of daffy and spaced out, and and like, he, like he's trying to be too mystic and gnomic to understand the world around him or something, even though we know he's not. Yeah. They always write him that way because that's what Jedi Masters are like. And, of course, you've already heard our constant complaining about how no one can handle Leia. Like, uh, no one knows what... Leia's a rad character. And, and everyone is like, I don't know. What if she was a racist princess who who hates aliens and is constantly yelling about her kids? Yeah. What if Leia just complained a lot? And I, Han is always just wife guy. That seems to be what the, his usual thing they come up with for him. I mean... Either wife guy or kidnap my wife guy. The thing is, it's either he's a wife guy or he's, if written by it, is the boomer, I hate my wife guy, where he's like, I wish I could just go out and have some fun with the boys. Yeah. Why uh, can't I smuggle some more? So many of the books with Han in them are like, I, he, I guess he's out there with Chewie on the Falcon. He just doesn't like settling down for home life, and he's always doing this. He just decided to do it again after years of being a general that all happened off screen. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. So, yes. The answer is yes. What additional kinds of X-Men bullshit should Wraith Squadron get up to aside from Swimsuit Edition? Oh, interesting. What, 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 which X-Men famous storylines do you think they should deal with? Well, obviously the Brood. We should probably have them fight space bugs. Yeah, I should probably do a full Mpreg storyline where <laughs> someone lays eggs inside of someone and then they turn into an alien. I don't remember that happening in the Brood storyline, but I guess it must have. That is exactly what happens in the Brood storyline. Does it happen to any of the X-Men or is it just happening to humans? No, it happens to some of the X-Men, but like specifically Wolverine manages to fight it off because of his healing factor. Mm -hmm. But I think... Like, they manage to get it in a couple people, but then they save them before they turn into full brood. Do they ever do a, a storyline? This is going way off topic, and I apologize. But during that era, the Krakoa era, where, like, they had those five X-Men who worked together to make, like, eggs that contained copies of old X-Men so they could bring them back to life so no X-Men could die anymore. Uh-huh. Do they ever do that where one of the X-Men came back in the egg and, and they also rehatched the brood implantation from, from 50 years ago? And then they infested the island with brood and they had to fight that off? No. That would have been cool, though. <laughs> no, they didn't do that. Okay. They're too busy destroying the cool thing that they made. <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, we made a cool island where all the mutants are. Now we're going to make all the mutants hate each other so we can go back to the st status quo. Have they already gotten back to it? I didn't know. That's the current storyline, basically. Okay. It was a neat concept, but it didn't feel like it had super long legs. <laughs> it's, it's too idyllic that you can't kill X-Men anymore. Yeah. It, I mean, and also the teams they were coming up with from a group that contained every ex a mutant ever were, were kind of 
Like, ah, we're the sword squad. We're all the X-Men you ever heard of what carried swords. Okay. There's a weird storyline where they had to go to alternate dimension to find the other half of Krakoa that Apocalypse shoved into another world. Oh, I've heard about that, yeah. And then fight sword guys, and they had to have their own sword guys fight their sword guys. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> X-Men is fucking wild. How come and in were- fact, you know what? Race Squadron gets swords. That's the story there it is. They, I want. They, they have swords, and because they're a commando and X-Wing squadron, they tie swords to the to the fronts of their X-Wings. I mean, the sad part is, as soon as I was like, oh, they all get swords, I went, oh, no, they'd all get fucking lightsabers. No, Damn it, swords. that's not Co- as cool. Horses or swords. I want them to all have actual fucking swords, and I want them to sword fight with other sword guys. Yeah, that's fine. That's what I want. We'll allow it. And Cortosis or so they can kill Jedi with them. Awesome. So there you go. They all get swords. And I guess uh, Runt becomes uh, Archangel. And Ar- Runt becomes Archangel. Arc Runt. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> it's one of my favorite X-Men storylines. <laughs> I mean, it's not my favorite. My favorite, as I've discussed on the show a million times, is the one where uh, Juggernaut beats the shit out of Colossus in a bar. Yeah. And I don't know how you'd do that here and not have me complaining about how it's, oh, again, they're solving all their problems by beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> it's just that Colossus really had it coming. <laughs> yeah. See, because it so wouldn't it, be, oh, they're solving their problems with beating the shit out of each other. It would be, oh, Kel's a huge asshole and won't stop, like, yeah. hitting on Tyria. And then Colossus some be- other guy shows up and beats the shit out of Kel and everyone just watches. Just watches. And when they're when it's over, Colossus, because it's Colossus, is just like, hey, do you, any of you want to go? And they're like, nope. <laughs> That's the X-Men storyline I'd like. <laughs> Okay, uh, Piggy has children somehow. I, I assume in the normal fashion. I don't think we ever heard that he was sterilized. <laughs> well, he's a broadcast spawner. So. <laughs> and decides to name the firstborn after the squadron member who was the most important person to him. What is Piggy naming that kid? Well, knowing what we know, he'd probably name that kid Runt, uh, or, or whatever Runt's real name, Hohass, because those two were actually very close. Are they? Yes. Because in the book we read, they weren't. In this book, they are not. In this book, he would barely name it after anyone because we barely get a scene of him getting to know anybody on the squadron. It would probably be Wedge. Honestly, I can't remember who Peggy's wingman was because I know he was in the final squad and it was... I think it was uh, Wes. Was it? Yeah, I think it was Wes. Okay. Yeah, Wes and Peggy. Then it might have been Wes because I'm like... At least it's his wingman. I guess that's fair, yeah. But deep down, he'd want to name that Peggy Hohass. <laughs> I want to name you Runt. That's right, you're my child and I will name you Runt. This is mean of me. <laughs> I hope it isn't prophetic and that we don't do litters. I mean, we are pigs, so... Yeah, probably we do. kind of do. Almost certainly do. But... But yeah, Hohass, or, or from this book, he never really gets friendly with anybody. Uh, so it'd probably just be Wes, his wingman, if we're right that that's his wingman. Yes. I don't remember who anyone's wingman was. I mean, I can remember Kel and Runt, Yeah, and uh, I remember Fannin and Face. And I think Wedge and Jesmine was one of them until, basically, she died. But, <laughs> and then she died somehow. Yeah, well, we know exactly how she died. Blown up by anti-air flat cannons. Yeah, we know exactly how she died. It was Kel's fault, and he should feel guilty about it. <laughs> At least until we, like, beat him up or something. In a shower, probably. <laughs> Got a short right. of sheets, too. The Wraiths have run out of funding for stupid sitcom reasons and have decided to aggressively sell food, candy, and snacks like they're the Girl Scouts to keep themselves afloat. What is it? Is it any good? 
and are they any good at selling it? Well, let's ask for the first question here. Are Is it just like the Girl Scouts where we're never going to hear about them selling it at all, but rather their parents at office buildings? Oh. Or are they setting out in front of the space uh, piggly wiggly and, and just bothering people as they try to come out with their groceries? Obviously, it's it's that one because they're aggressively selling food. That, that is true. Because Girl Scouts, I don't think they really go door to door anymore. No. They, we do not live in an age where it would be okay to send your like yeah. 10-year-old daughter out door to door. Yeah, that's just not safe. So, so yeah, it's out in front of stores. But, I, but what is the food they're selling? I mean, obviously, Face is going to be the best at this. He is a face. He's even named face. Like, he's a Shadowrun class. So he's clearly going to be the one who's like, I know how to do this. I've, I've been on TV as a commercial pitch man for a large portion of my life. Oh, yeah. Now, for what it is that they are selling, mm-hmm. like what they actually make, yeah, I got to imagine it's got to be the least capable of being fucked up thing. <laughs> like, just quick oatmeal cookies or something you're like what did you do i i took like oats and applesauce and made cookies it's those granola and jerky sticks that yoda was stealing from luke on dagobah <laughs> not the corn pops mixed with popcorn that leia was feeding to uh to wicked on and en- on the moon of endor oh god meaning that they're like oh we didn't this isn't a bake sale we didn't make things we're just doing that like world's finest chocolate thing oh, well, where yeah, we go girl, around it's girl scouts girl scouts don't make the cookies yeah they're made of girl scouts we established that in one of the adams family movies so so yeah they're just walking around with packets of those meat sticks that yoda liked and was like get the food that yoda enjoyed the boring granola meat stick you <laughs> get can the hit granola it. meat stick you can you can eat it or you can hit a droid with it in semblance of a rhythm <laughs> Uh, but face is going to be the best at it and i mean those are the two star wars foods right i know they've added a bunch more in the mandalorian since then oh i guess there's also those squishy little amphibian things that jabba eats yeah so there's one i mean oh and gamorians are food we a rancor eats one (laughs) gamorians are food Uh uh-huh they sell piggy (laughs) that's what they sell piggy slices (laughs) they sell piggy to a slaughterhouse Mm -hmm. and that's how they get their money (laughs) i strenuously object to that ah (laughs) Oh, uh, you don't count. You're not human. <laughs> Off you go. And then Kel sits there and goes, you know, I wonder if we'll ever know if Gamorreans are sentient or not. <laughs> we clearly are. <laughs> huh. Weird. It's like I can still hear him. <laughs> you can. They only took my arm. You don't kill a pig like me all at once. <laughs> uh, jokes. <laughs> uh, given Aaron Alston's tenure as a TTRPG designer, he wrote the rules cyclopedia, among other things. See, this guy really did have a big pedigree in RPG. Uh, can you think of ways recountering the feverish, over-elaborate plan of a TTRPG party writing style would have enhanced some of the previous Star Wars books you have covered had he written them instead? I mean, I'm trying to think of where would Goofity Horseshit have come in? Because I guess in the takedown of Waru, if they were like... I was going to say, Crystal Star. Crystal Star feels like it should have had a weird, dumb TTRPG moment. The, the trick to Crystal Star is that it feels like everyone is going off half-cocked. Like... Every character in Crystal Star feels like they just woke up after a bender and they realized they were late for work. <laughs> Every character. You got Leia just being like, my kids, bags, do whatever. Oh, shit. I, I, this is that fucking Wookiee's fault, probably. I hate werewolves. And, and meanwhile, both Han and Luke are just going slowly fucking like 
like uh, full metal jacket grade crazy on that on, on Curse Station or whatever. Yeah. So the, both of them are just like, I'll just run into whatever. I don't give a shit. I think you're cheating on Leia and I'm going to kill you for it. What are you talking about? Let's fight. What, what, it it would have been great if they had had elaborate plans to suss out whether or not. How great would it be to have Luke set while in that drunken radiation addled state try to set up a honeypot scam to catch Han cheating? When you say that, I immediately go, so he's going to try and fuck on? <laughs> That's his plan is he's like, I'm going to I'm gonna Bugs Bunny style dress up like a sexy lady and try to get on to fuck me. <laughs> and then that'll prove he's cheating. <laughs> and then only after coitus, I'll rip the wig off and go, ha Just a wig, though. Yep, just the wig. <laughs> just a wig. <laughs> I can't believe you do that to me, Luke. On the other hand, great shot, kid. That was one in a million. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> Let's blow this joint. I don't like the afterglow. It's a boring conversation anyway. <laughs> oh, Lord. So if he, if he came up, I like that we were like, what if it's a bullshit over elaborate TTRPG style high session? And it came down to Luke tries to seduce Han by wearing just a wig. <laughs> yeah, it's what happens. Oh, uh, Luke uses his disguise kit, rolls poorly, just puts on a wig, but then rolls amazing for his seduction roll, and Han's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm just going to neg him about how his ship doesn't look like it could fly. <laughs> no, I'm going to fuck you so bad. No. You have no idea how much that turns me on. Aha, I tricked you. I'm Luke. And he's like, wait, you were trying to trick me? <laughs> I thought you just got a bad haircut. <laughs> I thought you were just into wigs now. <laughs> You're a wig guy. You know, I'm a got, wig guy We now. got Lando's a cape guy. I thought you'd be a wig guy. I, I thought you finally found your thing. I'm a vest guy. We got a cape guy. <laughs> Chewie's a sash guy. He's got his baldricks. And then, of course, Leia has her fancy hairs. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Great. We got a sash guy. I'm a vest guy. Le Lando's a cape guy. Leia's a racist. <laughs> <laughs> That's the squad. <laughs> You always got that one friend. <laughs> the most racist man alive. <laughs> I can see Book Leia wearing that shirt. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Uh. <laughs> Fly Mary Kell. Which pilots would you have wanted to see from the perspective of, which we have talked about? A little bit, yeah. What substanceless relationships would you have liked to see instead? And who would our handsome boys have killed off instead among the cast? I kind of wish, and I know that going for the immediate queer pairings is, is a crutch, but but uh, I feel like Face and Fainan made perfect sense together. Right? That They were basically an old married couple already after having known each other for five minutes. Yeah. It, it, they, they felt so comfortable immediately. They have a lot in common. And, I mean, once you get to the point where he's like, well, I didn't kill that bug because I thought it belonged to my boyfriend. Yeah. I've been in his room fucking him all the time, and I saw his bug collection. So I was like, well, I can't do this. It would hurt his feelings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like Face and Fainan are obvious. Yeah. It's almost like it's subtext through the book that these two should be hooking up. <laughs> I mean, now that you mention it, yes. <laughs> Very clearly. <laughs> Because the only actual pairings you get are Donos, Phelan, and uh, and Kelteria. Yeah. And both of them are boring and don't feel like they belong. Because both of them feature a deeply unstable male partner. Yep. Um, and then just sort of a eternally put-upon lady. And it's 
the fact that the book even calls it out and then does it anyway where it's like, oh, you know, a lot of people think that women just want to be with someone who's got baggage because then they can try and fix him. It's like the wounded animal thing. And I'm like, that's a real shitty sexist thing to talk about. And I'm, you know, when it first started and then Tyria went, no, hard pass. I was like, oh, good. You're not going to do it. Yeah. And then immediately went, no, but it is. That's the yeah. way things work. Yeah, I'm was... going to tell you right now that the way things work are, if you're a sad boy, ladies want you. Yeah. I would say that if I had to pick new pairings for this, I would kill that pairing. It doesn't make any sense. And I, again, I'm going to replace it with a queer one, obviously, and it's going to be Wedge and Mindonos. Because we've already got Wedge deciding that he's a charity case. Who, 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 who want, Sorry, he wants to fix a bunch of charity cases. I want a bunch of last chancers at the edge of their list. Also, I want that guy from the squadron that, that kind of put me in mind of doing this in the first place. Get him for whatever reason. Hopefully, he's some kind of commando. Sure enough, it turns out he's a competent sniper. What a lucky blessing. But he's the most hurt amongst them. And he needs my special attention. So I'm going to say Wedge and Mindonos and Face and Fainan, and those should have been the only pairings. Now, for who should have been killed off instead among the cast, it should have been Kel. Kel should have gone down. Kel should have had a heroic moment where he was like, oh, I proved myself a coward that would abandon a dying man, but then at the last moment, came back, redeemed myself, and went down in a blaze of glory and was like, I've redeemed my family name being yeah, a hero. He absolutely should have. He was he was all primed for an arc where he got went out flying into the bridge of the... Uh, what, I forget the name of the uh, the Star Destroyer from this. The Implacable? The Implacable. He should have just done what the A-Wing did to the Executor and just went face first into the the uh, Star Destroyer and won the day. But it's... Because it would have been a better storyline for him, at least, because you're like, oh, his whole deal was trying to redeem his father, but the whole book basically went out of his way, out of its way to fillet him and be like, no, you should have everything. You should be able to not only abandon people and then come back and it's fine. And also you're a hero and also Akbar shows up and tells you how muscly you are yeah. and you get the girl. She's not allowed to talk anymore, but she is in a bikini. And I'm yeah. like, no, quit filleting this guy. Yeah, you know who should he should have died saving in particular is Wes Jansen. Oh, that would. Yeah, that would have been a good thing if it was like, oh, Jansen is in trouble and he's like, I'm going to go ahead and take one for the team. I'm going to like get in the way of a shot for him mm -hmm. and even then be like, oh, I'm going to take a shot that was for Jansen. His uh, weapon systems go down and that's when he does the A-wing maneuver. Yep. Yep. That's what it should have been. He should have gone down defending Wes Jansen. And I was about to say, I feel like Jansen was the other person who I would have put on the chopping block. I would not have been allowed to. The books, no. he's too main of a character for a book like this to be allowed to kill off. But he is another one where it would have made sense to have him die to see what that effect that has on Kel. Yeah. Where even like right after the two of them have their bar barely their reconciliation, have Jansen die randomly, you know, just a turbo laser gets him or something yeah. and have him have to deal with that, that feeling of like, oh, I spent my whole life being afraid of that guy. And just as I figured out that I don't have to be, and that he did what he did because he had to random happenstance took him away too. Yeah. I don't even get the chance to know the real person who I have been mythologizing as a monster in my mind. Yeah. The fact that this book, like you were saying, ends on that fantasy island, super mega happy Wayne's World dream sequence ending where he's lying on a beach with a with a bikini babe, um, instead of him reconciling further with Jansen, is a real disappointment. Yes. Because that's where they, the relationship they should have been working on. 
is these two are barely friends. They still get rigid around each other, and they should go get rigid around each other. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> I just thought of a third parent. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess Fallon and Tyria hook up. Uh, and uh, Jasmine's there, too. <laughs> Jasmine spawns. She just spawns in the room. <laughs> yeah. You know, we already killed her, but then she respawns. <laughs> hey! Anyway. Uh, did you enjoy the stupid comedy parts of this book, or would you have preferred a more serious, shooty-shooty, fly-fly, kill TIE Fighters book like the actual Rogue Squadron ones? I mean, I don't... We've already gone over that I don't really want the it's all just we're in the cockpit and describing how cool it is to fly around stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the comedy bits in this mostly don't land. The other problem is all the comedy bits in this were mostly there to telegraph who was about to die or be uh, severely hurt. Yeah. I mean, the ones that weren't where it was like, oh, Wedge has to stand around in Bermuda shorts. Yeah, that was. He's going to tell everyone he'll court-martial them if they talk about it. I'm like, why? What? This yeah. has nothing to do with Wedge's personality and just you wanted to make a weird joke about I feel, it. I feel like a lot of the jokes in this also felt over elaborate like RPG scenarios. Because, I mean, remember that one of my favorite parts of this whole book is the bit when when Piggy's like, hey, can I keep this ship I captured? And Wedge has to be like, well, actually, you could. And, uh, you know, I'm not an expert in, in uh, pilot to fleet ship transfer, but if you'll examine this chart, as you can see here, yes, technically you could become bridge officer. They'd, they'd uh, switch you from your current rank to the bottom rank of the bridge officer crew. But we do have a strong privateering tradition of keeping what you take from the enemy because we, of course, were born from a rebellion. And you can just see Piggy being like, I tried to tell one joke. I have been with this squadron for three months. And I one tell one joke and I get this one joke. <laughs> Dude, I would does love... he do this shit to Kel? No, he does not. <laughs> if he was just like, Wedge, wet, wet, wedge, 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 stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to know that my arm is not long enough for the jerk off motion that is in my heart right now. I feel like I could almost potentially just call you racist for assuming I was asking that as a real question because you don't know how we ask jokes. <laughs> it was a joke. Jokes. <laughs> We're doing jokes. <laughs> Do I need to have my droid have a special droid uh, joke noise it makes when I tell... Does it need to play a rim shot? <laughs> Do I... Do I need to do this like those aliens in Mass Effect where I'm like, I have to preface it with joke. <laughs> Elcor. 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 <laughs> Emphatically. <laughs> with great sadness. With a wry sarcasm. May I keep this ship? Yeah. Is that what I got to do now? I'm still mad that you never get one of them on the squad. Terrible. Just put a big cannon on its back. That'd be hilarious. Let me have the Elcor. Give me an Elcor. Let, let me have Shepard romance the Elcor. Let me, let me romance an Elcor and also a Hanar. <laughs> Seductively, it is so good to see you, Captain. <laughs> you summoned me to your quarters, Captain. <laughs> Demurely, oh my. <laughs> Well, I'm off to AO3. Well, <laughs> we've got a lot of fodder this episode. <laughs> All right, last question. 
Since Wraith Squadron has some holes to fill, wink, we've already covered that. Oh, yeah. Which minor character should be drafted into the squadron? The guy who can survive a 15-meter fall onto concrete? Someone else? <laughs> he yeah. can't. He died. No, that guy's fine. But you can't put him on the squad. He's in a farm upstate, and he's having too much fun to join a squadron right now. And we can't go visit him either, so don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't visit him. That would be weird. <laughs> he's definitely alive, though. He's fine. He's just off screen laughing like I am. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Let's pick minor characters because we already answered this question of who do we think they were going to put in there. Yeah. But I, I think let's pick minor characters from previous books that we have reviewed. Sure. And put them in there. Can we put Soup Guy in there? Who are we doing? I mean, I feel like not using any of the Moss Eisley ones should oh, be it's too fine. bad because I wanted the Tonica sisters. <laughs> <laughs> but being like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I take that weird fucking werewolf and i just Lack put him rack. no from the crystal star oh. i put the werewolf yeah i sell no wait that's a that's an exalted word yeah i just said exalted oh, oh, you said exalted words <laughs> i forget his name now but yeah one of the werewolves yeah that'd be fun or lusa the centaur from that just have her flying in a really weirdly modified x-wing yeah if you like just hang out the bottom of it a kodruji the the weird yeah. six-legged werewolves. If you give me a Kodruji on the squad, awesome. That would be amazing. Into it. Yeah, that, that'd be phenomenal. I'd also accept a Nogri pilot. Sure. I would love that. Have them do anything other than call Leia the Malari-ush. That'd be fine. <laughs> uh, you got Malari-ish. <laughs> uh, well, it's been humid. <laughs> <laughs> Too many mosquitoes around here. I'm all Malari-ish. Uh, but yeah, a Nogri pilot would be rad as hell because they have a really cool like warrior tradition about them and they're just neat in general. Uh, but yeah. Okay, or we just put Babu Frick into the <laughs> into an X-Wing. Showed. Or, <laughs> we put that worm that, that we cut guy. to. <laughs> he just makes sure that the uh, the Phalanteria thing never actually happens. Yeah, as soon I as Fanon and Face are like, ooh, we should go back to your room and look at your bugs. He's <laughs> like, <"Bleh." laughs> Anyway, what's that slug guy doing? I've got a big weird face. Hey! <laughs> Are you shaggy? <laughs> Rutro. Yeah, that's his voice. I don't know. It's in the uh it's in the uh extended cut. The Respians are at it again. <laughs> Down with their empire. <laughs> the Resbians. Well, <laughs> I know my next Star Wars race, the Resbians. Off to AO3 once again. <laughs> Ah, yes, from Resbia. <laughs> Resbia 4, where the Resbians are. Butchly, I enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Having a good time! Ah, the Butch Elcor. I'm into it. <laughs> Butchly, we should move in together. <laughs> You're not lesbian enough to rock that joke. <laughs> I can't talk about a Subaru. I'm not lesbian enough for that. All right. That was the last question, so. That was it. That's us. Uh, ooh, ooh. Ouch. Oof, ouch, owie. I would also accept, I know that uh, we're going back to the Mos Eisley well. I don't care. I would like to have both Muftak and Cabe get their own X-Wings. Sure. And the, they got to be wingmen, so Muftak can constantly pr pr uh, protect Cabe. Yeah. But I think that'd be a fun one. I, I would just sure. like that. Yeah. So, there you go. All right, so there you have it. That's a bunch of questions answered. It's now time for the moment you've all been waiting for. 
the announcement of the next book. What's coming up next? And that means, as always, I'm going to read the back before I tell you the names. So those of you who read a lot of these perhaps can get a moment of, I know what that is. Yeah, get your jollies in while you can. Mm-hmm. It starts with a single sentence that just says, Master and Apprentice. The force is strong in 12-year-old Anakin Skywalker. Woo! That's given away a lot. So strong that the Jedi Council, despite misgivings, entrusted young Obi-Wan Kenobi with the mission of training him to become a Jedi Knight. Obi-Wan, like his slain master Qui-Gon, sucks, <laughs> believes Anakin may be the chosen one, the Jedi destined to bring balance to the force. But first, Obi-Wan must help his undisciplined apprentice, who still bears the scars of slavery, find his own balance. Dispatched to the mysterious planet of Zonama Sakat, source of the fastest ships in the galaxy, Obi-Wan and Anakin are swept up in a swirl of deadly intrigue and betrayal. They sense a disturbance in the Force unlike any they have encountered before. It seems there are more secrets on Zonama Sakat than meet the eye. But the search for those secrets will threaten the bond between Obi-Wan and Anakin and bring the troubled young apprentice face to face with his deepest fears and his darkest destiny. That's right, it's Rogue Planet. And uh, for those of you who've been wanting us to do more Clone War era stuff, here you go. We're doing a prequel era book. A young baby Anakin. Yep, set between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Love it. Yep, so it's uh, it's an early, early book, uh, and it's, it's got the main characters in it. It's not like Maul Lockdown. This time we're really digging into some of the main prequel storyline, plus some stuff that... I'm not afraid to say it. We've already talked about it a bunch of times. Zonama Sakat has come up on bonus content a lot. Yeah, but, you know, if you aren't on the bonus content, you should be. But, hey, at least now you'll know what the fuck it is when we read this. Mm -hmm. If you want to know what it is in advance, then just go over to that Patreon, patreon.com slash mastery, where you can support us at the $4 level to find out more. I'm not going to keep going on about it because we did a mid-ad break in this episode, which I'll probably separate with a different ad just for fun. So many ads. Mm-hmm. And uh, otherwise, hey, thank you for listening. As always, we are going to take a week off for a break between books. But when we come back, it'll be Rogue Planet time for those of you who are planning to read along. Otherwise, thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed Wraith Squadron. I've been Elan Sleeves Bagano. And you can blame it on the Dayquil. Quill. <laughs>